I match the sky. Welcome back to the Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamin. I'm Olivia. And I'm Casey. And we've been talking about the presence of God in our series on spiritual gifts. Now it's kind of ventured into just like supernatural conversation about the Bible because um, spiritual gifts are supernatural. So um, as we... Not the TV show though. <laughs> as we continue talking about spiritual gifts, I mean God's presence, <laughs> um, today we're going to talk about God's presence in church. Because uh, there's only really one solid glimpse we get of an early church service. Uh, you know, a lot of, at least this is a lot of pastorly fighting and conversation. You've at least seen it when you go to church, like, what should happen at church? Ah, this church does this, that's stupid, you should do this. Or tradition, tradition, tradition. No, let's be crazy and do new things. And, and you've gone to college and studied ministry, so you've come into... Plenty of these, like. So wait, are you arguments. telling me that the the early church was not going into a building, grabbing your coffee or a macchiato, double espresso, whatever? I don't know coffee. What churches are you going to? And then you go to the auditorium and sit down, six feet apart with the mask on. <laughs> like that's not that's anyone not what the early watching, church did. Anyone watching this in ten years would be like, what kind of church was that? A cult? <laughs> <laughs> Kind of sounds like it. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. It's a weird time, man. Yeah, yeah, just do a Wikipedia search on 2020. Um, so, uh, no, no, it was not like that. First off, we get glimpses of churches in many different ways, you know, like, seems like they're eating quite a bit from time to time. Uh, it seems like they're meeting in houses, like it almost as though possibly, like when Paul makes new converts, he's like, okay, now open up your house to to have get-togethers of Christians. So it's hard to get like a real solid glimpse as to what the early church looked like, but we do get one glimpse of what a service might look like. And lo and behold, it looks very little like the things people fight about today. <laughs> In fact, the only thing we seem to have taken from 1 Corinthians 14, which is all about like what could happen in an early church service. The only thing that we really held on to is everything should be done decently and in order. And like we just push our services to be very put together, not crazy, keep it all under one roof. Is that how other people do church? I guess. <laughs> Look, man, we do urban church. I don't know what order is at all. It certainly looks... Very different in urban no, I think, I think we have an order. Well, we have order. It's mostly but, chaos, yeah. but it's order. <laughs> but it's an attempt at order upon a higher extent of chaos. So it's still, you know, order. Anyways, done decently in order. Let me tell you the things that Paul said right before he talked about being decent and in order. First off, he talked about speaking in tongues. Part of what he meant by being decent in order is like, hey, guys, <laughs> Heard you all got the gift of tongues. That's great. Um, maybe don't do that so much. <laughs> Which to us sounds crazy. He's like, whoa, I got a gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't you tell me not to use that gift. But Paul's point was like, look, no one knows what you're saying. And I, I personally, you guys, I would rather say five words that people can understand than a million words that people can't. But, then he goes on to say, but, just so you all know, 
I speak in tongues more than any of you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just disclaimer, I'm not like, I'm not saying tongues are bad or that they shouldn't be done. Let's just bring it decent and in order. So the picture that Paul paints of the Corinthian church, first off, the Corinthian church was like, it was a bit out of whack. Uh, I think Las Vegas might be a good example of what you might think of like Corinth. <laughs> I've been there. I don't know what it was like because everyone was dead. But like, I've been Wait, there. Everyone was dead in Las Vegas. No, in Corinth. In Corinth. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, people were there, but they weren't the same people. Uh, anyways, like one of the people at church is like, Paul's like, dude, you need to tell that guy to stop sleeping with his stepmom. Because it almost sounds like they were bragging about it. Like, <laughs> this guy over here. It's like, whoa, you guys don't understand how church morality works here. Like, that guy needs to be told to leave the church. And, he, and Paul goes so far as to turn him over to Satan. That's a conversation for another. Anyway, though in, in 2 Corinthians, he does talk about letting a guy back into church because he feels so bad and wants to come back. Could be the same guy. So maybe he did repent between the two letters. <laughs> But even Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, I think it was N.T. Wright who said, like, the first letter to the Corinthians sounds like a, oh, guys, here's, yes, we, we need to push forward. I mean, 1 Corinthians where the, the famous, like, love is patient, love is kind, comes like uh, his grandiose moment of scripture, you know. 2 Corinthians, N.T. Wright says, sounds like a defeated pastor. <laughs> like he's writing back, like, hey, guys. <laughs> I'm writing to you guys again. <laughs> so, so here's what we need to do. So, like, Corinth obviously had some problems, is what I'm getting at. One of the problems that they seem to have in their church services is someone would take the mic and be like, All right, y'all, I got a word for you. Kedakadaka, I want to buy a Honda, shalamanana. You know, like, just... <laughs> want to buy a Honda? You never heard people say that before? I mean, I have. But... Okay, well, that's what I was doing. So, like, and then they do that for, like, ten minutes and be like, Amen. Mic drop. You know, like, who's up next? I will go. And then speak in tongues for another 10 minutes and then drop the mic and then someone taking this. My turn. <laughs> you know, like, just imagine that kind of, like, nonsensical order. Like, it's just chaos, right? Uh, also to the point that, like, Paul was afraid that people would come in and think that they're maniacs. Paul was like, look... Uh, I don't want you guys to look like raving lunatics because if someone walks off the street and comes to your service and you all look insane, like they're not going to be interested. Also, or they could be interested <laughs> also because them. Well, actually, pagan religions uh, would get way over the top crazy. I mean, uh, if you if you think of Elijah when. Uh, when Elijah is about to call fire down from heaven to burn up this sacrifice of sorts, um, he first gives the prophets of Baal a chance to call fire down from heaven. And what do they do? They go insane. They're cutting themselves. They're stabbing themselves. They're drawing out blood. They're, they're just like, they're losing their minds. They've gone maniacal. Pagan religions would do that. And like Paul, to some extent, is like, look, if someone comes in and you're all just like, having spiritual, ecstatic, crazy experiences, and there's, like, no, like, order going on, and, like, <laughs> you all have just lost it and worked yourself up into a frenzy. Like, they're not going to be able to tell the difference between, like, paganism and Christianity. That's not, that's not how we work, you know? Um, 
we're we're not like looking to be frenetic people. Yeah, I think we could push back and say crazy things will happen sometimes. But like I've been in church services in certain sects of the church where like worship will not stop until we've all lost our minds. <laughs> Like I, I remember one, I was playing in the band. I feel band. like there's a story here. I was playing in the band once, and like the worship leader's just amping it up, amping it up. I'm like, I thought we were at like the peak, man. Like, All right, okay. So, so like I'm trying to amp it up too, and like really push us through. And like, okay, now we've gone like double folded. It's got to be over now. And and like worship leaders just kind of chill for a minute. They're like, guys, when are you gonna press in? I'm like, what? <laughs> And so the whole church is like, all right, let's have people running around. It's just like madness. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening anymore. <laughs> like that, when I, when I look back at that story of my life, I'm like, that's what Paul was talking about. Like, like just the frenetic frenzy of craziness that sometimes we, we dive into and attempts to have a, religious experience that may not even be God at that point because we've we've worked ourselves up into it, you know? Uh, anyways, when Paul says be decent and in order, he's saying use tongues, but use it appropriately. If someone can translate it, cool. If not, maybe just use it in your own prayer life. <laughs> uh, you know, like, hey, let's not get so psychopath that like <laughs> someone walks in and like, oh, I don't want to be a part of this or misconstrues you for the false religions let's let's uh let's tone it down a little bit you know uh also um prophecy yeah you need to be doing that in your service just make sure that all the prophets get a chance to weigh in <laughs> so like so like uh it, it's almost pictured as though there's like prophets sitting in chairs and like one will get up to speak and another one would be like, mm, I don't know if that's right, hang on. Or they might be like, yeah, I sense the Holy Spirit saying that as well. So it's like, does this sound like church service you go to? <laughs> Whatever Paul's decent and in order is, it's still supernatural and crazy, right? Uh, there's prophecy going on, there's tongues going on. Um, the mic is given to everyone. So it's like, hey, so-and-so might want to sing a hymn you, know, you bring the hymn so-and-so might have a message you give the message like it it's order but it's still makes any pastor today super nervous <laughs> handing the mic off have you ever had someone stand up at church and just like here's something that I want to say because I have because I'm an urban pastor <laughs> and, and I mean those are terrifying moments <laughs> But that's 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 what Paul like he was used to that. Like, yeah, that's why everyone's weighing in. Everyone's kind of balancing it out. You're bringing it all decent and in order. I guess the point that I'm trying to get to is when they went to whatever their church looked like, they expected God to be there. They expected the Holy Spirit and his presence to show up. And they expected because of that, that crazy, supernatural, odd things like tongues and prophecy and uh, words of knowledge would happen. <laughs> In fact, here's Paul's version of, a, of church evangelism. Ours is to put greeters at the door and be like, 
oh, hi, just want to make sure your stay is super welcome. Here's a donut. You know, like everything's just like perfect. Paul was like, look, if someone walks in that you've never met before, here's what you do. Uh, you go over to them and you tell them everything they've ever done. <laughs> Wait, so, you mean that thing that you were scared that that teacher would do to you? Yes, yes, yes. That that he would, uh, God would download into him everything I've ever done and, and that they would declare it over me. But Paul was like, prophesy, essentially. Prophesy over them. Go and tell them, hey, here's everything you've ever done. The Holy Spirit's the one who's told me this. Now receive Jesus. And they will fall on their knees and worship God. <laughs> that, that was Paul's... Uh, evangelistic hospitality strategy. <laughs> Hi, here's a donut. You need to stop sleeping with so and so. <laughs> it's like, like that's that's like <laughs> very different from the way that that we would think. Now, prophecy for Paul in that same passage, he says it's consoling, it's edifying, it's comforting. So, like, good good words are going to be coming out of these church services, you know. So it's not all evil. Well, As in, like, when you prophesy, it's no, not all the evil that, that you would be done. calling out evil. Yeah. No, I mean, prophecy in general, yes, there is justice and correction and fixing things and calling things out. Uh, but it's also, it, it should be done with the Holy Spirit. It should be done in tones of love and comforting and edifying. Uh, like, that's, that's the tone that prophecy takes on through the love of Jesus, through the love of God, right? I think of uh, John Wimber, who started the whole uh, uh, vineyard denomination movement. He's on a plane. A guy comes in. He has a vision of the guy. Uh, in real life, he sees painted across his head adultery. And he's like, why would that guy write that on his head? You know, he's like, wait, I, that's not actually there. So at least I, this must be the way that he processed it. Because then the guy like, looks at me, he's like, what do you want? Because he's kind of like staring at him. And John Wimber has a name pop into his mind. We'll just go with, I don't know, Lisa. So he's looking at him and he's like, do you know Lisa? And the guy's like, let's go in the back. <laughs> so, so this guy I've never met before, John Wimber on a plane, they go to the back and the guy's like, was sitting with his wife. That's why they've gone to the back to talk about this. And as they're talking about it, he like confesses, like he's been cheating on his wife with some woman named Lisa. And like, if you're like me, you're like, how's this story gonna end? You're on a plane sitting next to a guy that you prophetically just called out for adultery in front of his wife. <laughs> and it actually ends on a very intriguing note. Like for us, we're thinking, oh, we're calling out the evil, right? But it ends with consolation, edification, uh, comfort in a sense because it, it brings him to repentance. He repents on the plane, receives Jesus into his life, and he's like, now what do we do? And Wimber's just like, I guess you go tell your wife right now. <laughs> so now I'm like, what? On the plane? And how's this going to end? He tells his wife and she gets saved too. And they both leave the plane as new Christians. Like, that's something only the Holy Spirit can do, you know? Like, yes, there was the calling out of sin, the prophetic correction, but there was also prophetic consolation, edification, comfort, right? So, anyways, the early church service was a mess that had to be called into order because stuff like this 
would happen. The supernatural was present because God's presence was present. So when we go to church, if we're expecting everything to just go meh or like straight through or like we have complete control over where all this is going and it's just staff talking to people, it just all kind of misses the point of like a community in the presence of God willing to allow anything to happen because they're empowered by the Spirit. And that, I think, is a different glimpse. I think you can run too far with that sometimes and give in to unorder and madness. I've seen it. But most of the churches that I've been a part of in my life don't give any space for this. And so it's up to us to be convicted by 1 Corinthians 14 and say in our own church services, what does this look like if we were to give God space to, to work through us? Presence, 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 Christmas. <laughs>